rock and roll. And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment, along with Pressbox, presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. All right, and there are no guys this week. It's just one guy and one gal. Stan the Fan, along with our new uh, producer of the Bat Around, Brittany Everett. Brittany, how are you this morning? I'm doing real well. Thank you. You're how good. are you? I'm very impressed with how, you know, because you came in and took, like, one lesson with Bonza, and then you had a quick lesson with Glenn earlier this week, Glenn Clark. But, man, I was very comfortable with the fact you were going to get us on the air. Yeah, thank you. Let's hope everything's good once we're off the air. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome aboard for another edition of the Bat Around. No Craig Heist, which will probably up our Facebook Live numbers because there's nothing like watching uh, the Bat Around with Craig Heist in here in his ugly mug. But uh, Craig is uh, doing um, Nats talk over on Masson. So uh, when he's got a chance to make the big bucks with Masson, we, of course, uh, let him out of his responsibilities here on the bat around. Uh, but I'll be here for the next two hours, and we've got a full bevy of guests with the Orioles due to report February 13th. The slow boat to China uh, continues, uh, otherwise known as the Orioles' offseason. Uh, listen, they're probably about 17 teams out of the 30 that are having off-seasons about as exciting as the Orioles. Uh, but uh, the Orioles disappointed us greatly with a second-half collapse last year. Actually, it was actually maybe after about a third of the season. They collapsed from June to early, late July, and then they picked it back up and then collapsed again the last couple weeks of the season it was an ugly finish to the season, a last-place finish. There was great hope and expectation that the Orioles would try to make themselves better. We can't say that Dan Duquette hasn't tried to make the Orioles better. What we can say is, to date, the Orioles are not a better baseball team than they were that ended the season in last place. Is that fair, Brittany? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. Being a wholehearted Orioles fan, I was so excited when we were still the undefeated team in the beginning of the season, and then everything just went downhill. Well, it was that series. Remember we won the first two games against the Nats? Uh, I, I, we won, I think we won two games here. We went down there and won the first game, and then the last game there was rained out. And we didn't play them for about two months. Right. But we lost the last game over there in extra innings or late. They, I think they even beat was it was it Britton or Brock? It was Brock. It was one of his collapses, and all of a sudden 
the wheels fell off the cart, and I think they lost about seven out of eight or something like that, and they didn't really recapture that spunk and spirit until late July when they picked up Tim Beckham and they got Zach back for a little while there. Uh, it was a really disappointing season. So it's been a disappointing offseason. Rich Dubroff will talk to us about that and what might happen in these remaining 20 days before spring training. Let's see, it's 10, 11, and 13, 24 days uh, before spring training starts for the Orioles where the pitchers and catchers Report February 13th down to uh, Sarasota, Ed Smith Stadium. Longtime um, New York Times news writer and formerly a sports writer for the Baltimore Sun, the Miami Herald, and the New York Times, Michael Janowski joins us at 1045. Met Mike a couple years ago, maybe about three years ago, through Jim Henneman, an old friend. And Michael has recently, as about five years ago, became reattached to the Orioles uh, from his home in Los Angeles where he started watching all the games on Masson and really fell in love with the Orioles again for the first time in like about 45 or 50 years. Uh, and he's been disappointed in the offseason. At 11.05, also an Orioles fan, but he's a baseball author of some great renown. He's written The uh, Imperfect Diamond. He's written The Art of Pitching with Tom Seaver. Uh, he's written the biography of Branch Rickey and many, many other books on baseball. And uh, he's a uh, lecturer and uh, an extraordinary intellectual. Uh, still an O's fan, though, even though he's a New Yorker. Uh, Lee Lowenfish will join us. He's also, uh, he doesn't put this on his resume, he's a um, former professor of mine at UMBC. Lee Lowenfish will join us. Then at 11.35, Bill Latson of MLB.com, he's a columnist and a podcaster. He does the uh, podcast called Newsmakers, and we'll talk to him about what's up and what he thinks of his Yankees for this year, what he thinks of the Hall of Fame vote. He got a chance to chat recently with Vladimir Guerrero, and um, uh, Vlad is certainly going to be one of the ones uh, uh, elected to the Hall of Fame this week or when it's announced this week. Looks to me right now as if there's going to be probably five people going into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and that would be Chipper Jones, Vladimir Guerrero, Edgar Martinez, Trevor Hoffman, and who am I leaving off? I'm leaving off somebody of great renown, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomey. So it's actually in that order. It's, um, it's uh, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomey, Vlad Guerrero, and then um, Edgar Martinez, who will be the first pure DH that will be elected into the Hall of Fame. And then Trevor Huffman, at last glance, was still uh, about 78%. We'll take a look, as a matter of fact, at some point, uh, we'll take a look during the, one of the breaks and see where they have it because they do update this on. And maybe while I'm talking, and you could look it up, uh, go to Google and type in live Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame vote, and maybe you can get the percentages. You do need 75% to be elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame, 75% uh, of the baseball writers that have votes. Um, at last glance, last Saturday, Mike Mussina was hanging in there. He was at 73%, but there was still roughly about 50% of people that still hadn't voted yet. 
And I don't know whether that percentage will end up being 80%, 92%, 98%. But uh, Mike Messina was hanging in there. The thought was, though, that there was a little danger that both he and Huffman uh, could slip a little bit. And in the case of Huffman, if Huffman slipped from 78% down under 75%, he again would not make it into the Hall of Fame. And Mike Messina, I think this is his sixth try uh, in what I think is a total outrage. Uh, Mike Messina, in my book, um, clearly the second best pitcher in Orioles history, and that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. But pitched for a lot of inferior Baltimore Oriole baseball teams. Remember, he came up, I believe, in 92. Pitched for 92, 93, 94, 95. That's four pretty bad baseball teams. Well, maybe the 92 team wasn't. uh, No, actually, 92, 93, 94, 95 were not good seasons for the Orioles. And Mike pitched uh, and, and had a winning percentage that was outstanding in those seasons. Again, I've done a close comparison with him and Tom Glavin, who was a first-time Hall of Famer. And Glavin, of course, gets the votes because uh, Glavin got a lot of notoriety by pitching in the World Series a few times uh, and pitching for those great Atlanta Braves clubs that I must remind you only won one World Series, despite the fact they won 14 uh, division crowns in a row. Uh, Tom Glavin only pitched on one winning World Series team. And um, Glavin, of course, topped the 300 mark uh, through a lot more innings than Mike Mussina. But isn't it interesting that Mike Mussina struck out a couple hundred batters more than Glavin and yet pitched about four in- 400 innings less? Those numbers could be off a little bit. I'll, I'll look them up. Uh, but Mike Mussina, to me, his winning percentage with uh, the fact that he pitched in the American League, again, pitched in American League baseball uh, in the American League East where he played against the Yankees and the Red Sox an awful lot, pitched in an era, and which Glavin did, with um, steroids, but no DH for Tom Glavin. Mike Messina had the DH, so of course his earned run average is going to be a little bit higher but taking into account that it was in the height of the steroid era as well, I think that should be factored in and all those things register. I know the whole history that Mike uh, never won a Cy Young Award, uh, may not have been in the top three in Cy Young Awards or something in an era where Roger Clemens, notably one of the great cheaters of all time, uh, was always in the running for the Hall of Fame along with, uh, for the Cy Young, along with Pedro Martinez. But Mike Mussina, his winning percentage alone says to me that he's a Hall of Famer. But I think he's going to fall just a little short. Have you been able to find out uh, the more exact totals? Yeah, so it's saying for Mike Mussina, it's... uh, What's he at, about 71% now, I'm guessing? He is at 77.1. Wow. Mike Mussina is at 77.1. How about Trevor Huffman? He is at 72.2. Uh, or 78.2. Okay. There we go. Hold, hold okay. On. So is Musina at Mus- 72? He's 72.6. Okay. There we go. All Looking right. at the wrong column All right. there. Okay. So Mike Musina has slipped a little bit from last week where he was 73%. So the ones that are, again, above 75% are number one, Chipper Jones, right? What's he at? 
Chipper Jones? Trying to find him. There's he's a lot the way, of people on there. He's this. all the way. Well, it should have narrowed it down to about 14 people or something like that. All right. Well, Chipper Jones has about 97 to 98%. Jim Tomey is next. Vlad Guerrero is third. And then fourth is Edgar Martinez. And fifth is Trevor Hoffman. Yeah, Chipper Jones, 98.5. Yes. 98.5%. Is Tomey the next one at about 94%? Can you uh, see him? Yes, yes. At, what's he at, 94? Yes. And how about Vlad Guerrero, about 92? Uh, Vlad is, oh, Vlad's in second with 94.9. Wow, great, so. great. I'm a big Vlad Guerrero fan and do think he's much more of a Hall of Famer than Jim Tomey. But Tomey's going to go in. I think this is Tomey's first year of eligibility. So um, great deal of respect for Jim Tomey. Uh, never any signs that he accomplished his 500-plus home runs with any assistance of steroids, um, and a really good guy. Interesting that uh, Tommy and Guerrero, I think both their last teams they played for will have been the Baltimore Orioles. I think that's true. I know in the case of Vlad Guerrero, his last season in the major leagues was with the Orioles, and I think that Tommy who was acquired from the Phillies back in 2012, I believe it was. Uh, his last season was uh, with his last team he played for was the Baltimore Orioles. You're listening to the Bat Around. It is 10-13 right now on the Bat Around. A couple other topics, and again, our guest list today, Rich Dubroff of uh, PressBoxOnline.com and PressBox, uh, Michael Janowski, formerly of the New York Times, the Miami Herald, and the Baltimore Sun in descending order from whence he started, kind of a reverse chronology. And Michael, longtime sports writer for all three entities, the Sun, the Miami Herald, and the New York Times, but ended his career as a news writer of some great renown for the New York Times. Um, Lee Lowenfish will join us at 11.05 and Bill Latson at 11.35. I did want to take a moment... Uh, because we're getting a lot of notoriety. And, Brittany, you'll just tell me, am I in good shape there? There's the cover to our first-ever Best of Baltimore sports issue, and that is uh, Press Box's first endeavor into the best-of world. And I'm very proud of this 64-page double issue. Uh, it will be on the stands for about seven weeks. Uh, it has John Tillman, our first-ever sports person of the year, and it's got 53 other categories uh, with a short, uh, short, concise, but well-written uh, s- reasons why they are the best in their category. And there's some very interesting categories. Um, best spirit sign, the best comeback. The best comeback is one of my favorites. It's, it's Cole Fieldhouse is the best comeback. It was a building that used to be where the Maryland Terrapins played basketball, the men and the women and it's come back now as the, um, uh, the, the training center for the football team. And it's also going to have a uh, think tank there where they're going to do a lot of really interesting stuff with concussion studies and all that. It's going to be a great sports laboratory there at Cole Fieldhouse. But I'm very proud of it. I hope you'll go out. It's available at 500 locations, including 60 Royal Farms. It's Baltimore's best the best of Baltimore sports issue, 
and it'll be out from uh, yesterday, the 19th, through March 14th. So you got plenty of time, and there are plenty of copies available. Hope you enjoy it. We're very proud of the work we uh, put in on that. By the way, um, went to was looking around for some, some things, because normally I've got Craig Heist to kick things around with. Not that it's not fun to kick things around with Brittany Everett, our new uh, producer of the, the Bat Around. But uh, normally with Craig and I, I have no trouble um, hitting the lulls in the show by just talking between us. Uh, one of the topics that figures to generate a lot of steam this next week as we go into FanFest, and FanFest will be held next Saturday, uh, and we'll promote that throughout the Glenn Clark Show this week. Uh, it, it's going to be held down at the Maryland the Baltimore Convention Center. Um, I think Buck Showalter is going to announce uh, his decision uh, to move Manny Machado to shortstop. We don't know anything official just yet on that, but it sure sounds as if Buck has made up his mind that uh, he's going to give Manny Machado uh, thing. And, and, you know, listen, I've written a column for uh, PressBoxOnline.com that I think this is kind of a very big mistake in a lot of ways. I think when you trade a pitcher, a 19-year-old pitcher who's a, a good prospect, and you trade him for Tim Beckham last summer, yes, you were doing it to try and inject something missing from the Orioles in 2017, and had the Orioles gone on to the playoffs, Dan Duquette could ride off into the sunset and say, see, I made another trade that led the Orioles to the promised land. Tim Beckham played his part in that for a month. His month of August was one of the greatest months in Oriole history. But to me, you don't trade another young pitcher. And remember, Orioles of the past five years in Dan Duquette era have traded Eduardo Rodriguez, Zach Davies, uh, Josh Hader, to name a few. Uh, They let Parker Bridwell get away, and now they trade Tobias Myers. You don't trade a 19-year-old pitching prospect considered pretty darn good. I'm not saying that he's considered to be the next Roger Clemens or Mike Mussina or anything like that, but for a team so devoid of pitching and finding it so hard to afford uh, you know, mid-level, mid-career free agent starters, for them to trade away 19-year-old pitchers to get a guy who's going to end up not being your starting shortstop for four or five years, I think personally is a mistake. It's a big mistake. I also think that, and again, I could be wrong. Manny Machado wants to play shortstop. That's great. He's had he's the player that has had two significant knee injuries, and uh, I'm not saying Manny is old at all. Manny will start start the season, I think, at 25 and will turn 26 during the season. But I don't think he's got the lateral speed uh, and quickness that he had uh, prior to those knee surgeries. Um, it's just my thought that you are taking a great third baseman and turning yourself into a team with a good shortstop, not a great shortstop. And, and again, I could be wrong, and a year from now I could be saying, boy, was I ever wrong about that. But this is no J.J. Hardy at shortstop who's going to make all the simple plays. I think his, his lack of quickness to the side-to-side is going to lead to more throwing errors Although Glenn, Chris Davis is a, a guy who can erase some of those errors. Uh, but, again, now you got a question mark at third base. Tim Beckham has played all of five games at third base. 
It sounds, though, like one of the ways the Orioles intend to skin this cat is to possibly pick up a third baseman and make Tim Beckham into a super utility player who can play all the positions, second, short, third, and the outfield. So we'll see how it plays out. It's time to make our connection with Rich Dubroff, who will join us in just a moment. And we'll, we'll hit Rich with that topic when we get him on the, uh, the line with us. Uh, you know, we had Rich, and he will be on our Inside Press Box TV show tomorrow. And Rich was saying that um, – is the phone working? Okay, great. Um, he was saying that, boy, he was glad that this year, because Rich started with us last year, right around December of 2016, uh, Rich was saying that he was glad that he didn't have to write a, a 25-man roster prediction for this year the way he did last year because it was going to be much, much more difficult to do. Last year, Rich says he nailed about 23 out of 25 players. This year he says it would be much more likely that he'd be right on 18 or 19 of those players. Joining us right now on our hotline on the bat around is Rich Dubroff. Rich, how are you? I'm great, Stan. How are you? All right. How did Brittany do getting you on the phone for the first time? Uh, she uh, she did she did brilliantly. I did less so because I answered the phone and I said uh, <laughs> I, I I used someone else's name. Oh, you said Bonza. Uh, yes, Bonza is no longer with us. Bonza's well ensconced in uh, Virginia. I forget the city, Lexington, Virginia. I think it is the home of Washington and Lee, where he's going to be working now. Washington and Lee. Well, good for him. Yeah. Well, he, good for him. He's uh, moved on. Dan to gives another young person a a. a, a a nice boost. That's right. Just like the Orioles are going to try and give some young people boosts this year. Uh, before we get into talking about some other topics, tell me a couple young players that Oriole fans, since we're taking that theme of giving young players or young people a chance, are there a couple young players that you've got penciled in that really have a chance to make this ball club this year? Well, obviously, Stan, I think – we have to look at the Rule 5 draft choices first. Um, you know, they're not necessarily products of the, uh, of the organization, but, you know, Nestor Cortez, who uh, the Orioles drafted uh, from the Yankees, has a, has a real good chance, I think, uh, of making it. Uh, when we saw him in, uh, in minicamp last week, Buck Showalter was very, very high on, uh, on Cortez. Were all, uh, were all three of the, the, the uh, Rule 5 guys at? camp at many no only only cortez was okay uh and he uh you know he's the most he's the he's the most advanced by far uh and he uh you know he he pitched at at a high level uh in the yankees uh, organization last year and he's really good at keeping the ball in the ballpark uh you know i think it was uh, about 48 innings he pitched for triple a scranton wilkesboro and did not allow a home run so he's small guy. He doesn't throw hard, but he, uh, he he keeps the ball in the zone. He's got a lot of different, you know, a lot of different pitches, and he's left-handed. Uh, and with Zach Britton out to start the season, there's certainly uh, an opening. And you know, he's even a dark horse to maybe uh, pitch in the ro- you know pitch in the rotation. So I, I think Cortez would be the uh, uh, the guy that that sort of uh, that sort of uh, you know, made the most, uh, made the greatest impression of the, the people we, we didn't know last week. 
Also, Tanner Scott, who we've talked about, who was briefly with the Orioles is, uh, last year, is somebody who uh, you know ought to, ought to get some more consideration as well. But I don't think Scott is going to make going to make the team. I think he's uh, going to go to Triple A to start the year. He would be uh, one, and of course Hunter Harvey, who we've uh, you know who, who we've talked about in the past. Uh, you know he is uh, you know. He's somebody who the Orioles are expecting to, to help him at some point in 2018. He's not going to start the season with them, obviously, uh, because he needs uh, needs to build up his arm. And uh, but you know, there, there's some is, interesting is, there's some interesting uh, pitchers we got to look at last week. Uh, was Hunter, and another one's Lucas Law. Was Hunter Harvey there? Hunter Harvey, yeah. We're just talking about people who are there. Yeah. Yes, Hunter Harvey was there. He, he threw a bullpen and. Uh, you know, there were, uh, I think, 16 pitchers there, and uh, only half of them threw in the bullpen. Now, one of the and guys he, one of the guys he, I read did not pitch, but I think he might have thrown a bullpen, was uh, left-hander Andrew Faulkner. Yeah, Faulkner was there. Faulkner is there, too. He's, uh, he's interesting because he's, you know, he's got significant major league experience. The Orioles acquired him last April uh, from uh, Texas, and he, uh, you know, he didn't. He was one of the few guys, actually, who they uh, acquired last year who wasn't called up. Yeah, and he stayed. He stayed on the forty-man roster until September, and then uh, they were going to send them to. Uh, they were going to send him to the Arizona Fall League, and then when he dropped off the forty-man roster, they didn't. But he re-signed with the team, and he's somebody who's a uh, you know a, a dark horse to to make the team. Another guy who wasn't there, who I think has a real good chance of making it. Is Josh Edgen, who's a, a left-hander, former New uh, York, f- former Met, New York Met, significant, yep. significant major league uh, experience. So it's, it looks like a lot of different options are there for manager Buck Showalter it, with these with rounding out the pitching staff. But we're now at January twentieth, and this is no great mystery. Uh, the entire baseball industry, uh, save a few teams, maybe five or six teams is moving at a kind of a glacier-like pace, Rich, uh, to, to take up on that theme of uh, cold, the hot stove being cold. Where do you think we come up with starters number three, four, and five? Um, I know that Miguel Castro has probably a little bit of a leg up on everybody, correct? Right to our stand. I, I think that, you know, another guy who we've talked about, Chris Tillman, uh, may very well uh, be, you know, one of those starters. And I think that they go outside the organization uh, to get uh, another starter, or maybe even two if the prices are, are, are right. I think, you know, realistically, a guy like Andrew Kashner or Jason Vargas, they're still out there. Yep. But, uh, you know, those dominoes haven't fallen. You know, it, it's it's so interesting because I think the other guys are sort of waiting for, uh, you know, you Darvish and Jake Arrieta to sort of set the market price for the, the top tier pitchers. And then guys that the Orioles have some interest in, Lance Lynn and uh, Alex Cobb will uh, fall into to line as well. But the word out there is that they're looking for four-year contracts and the Orioles don't, you know, don't want to go four years. The last you know, guy, they they, could, the last guy they went four years on, didn't work out real well. Ubaldo Jimenez. Yeah. So if they could get one of them 
you know, if they could get one of those guys for three years, um, I think that there would be, uh, you know, that there would be some interest. But uh, I think, you know, I mean, all of a sudden, uh, the market is just going to, you know, there's going to there's going to be a, a plethora of signings in the next few weeks, as uh, you know, because spring training is a little over three weeks away, and you know, even during the early days of spring training, they're going to be. You know, there are going to be some signings, but the Orioles have a, a number of, uh, you know, a number of, of openings, uh, as we've talked about, in a, in a number of positions. And I think you're going to see some uh, some new guys uh, with the Orioles, not necessarily for FanFest a week from now, but uh, certainly for, uh, uh, for the beginning of spring training. We're talking with Rich Dubroff of PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Rich, uh, first I have to say hello to an old friend of mine from uh, junior high and high school who's on a train right now watching us. That's my friend Phil Pine. And then one of the regular questioners, uh, uh, both on my post-game shows that I did on Facebook Live, is AJ. And he asks a question. Oh, AJ. Uh, yes, AJ is a – AJ, he's a, if it's the same AJ, is a very uh, – uh, a, a very uh, knowledgeable fan yeah. on my uh, Facebook page. Yeah, it's AJ Mukherjee. Yes, think that's AJ, yes. He's asking me, who's better, Lucas Long or David Hess, or who looked better? Were either of those guys at the minicamp? Both of them were. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I don't remember if uh, Hess pitched. Lucas Long to Buck Showalter, uh, reminded him of, uh, in a lot of ways, of Tyler Wilson. Okay. Um, that's, you know, very that's, not necessarily, that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, no, but in, <laughs> in, in, in terms of intelligence. Yes, yeah. UVA, uh, former enough, UVA very, graduate Tyler Wilson, by the way. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, 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 Lucas Logs kind of worked his way up the system. He's uh, he's from, from a place where it doesn't produce a lot of major league ball players, uh, the Twin Cities. Uh and a very smart and personable guy has pitched, you know, pitched last year both starting and relief in, uh, you know, Bowie. There was some consideration whether to put him and Hess right. on the on the forty man uh, on the forty man roster. Uh, but uh, Hess, you know, has a little more potential to be a starter. I, I would think that Hess will start the season in AAA. I think both yeah. of them will start the season in AAA. But I think Long. Has because he's starting at starter and relief. I think that you know maybe a little better shot of seeing him uh, seeing him first. There's, it's uh, hard to it's hard to imagine with Santander and Cortez most likely on the roster to start the season that Long can squeeze his way on as a no, no pun intended long man. No, no, no. I, I don't think so. I think one of the guys who has. Um, one of the guys who we haven't mentioned, who we did see, you know, a chunk of last year, who has a good chance of, of being that long man, is Jimmy Yacobonis. Okay. Who uh, Yacobonis was at, uh, you know, was at minicamp. And he, you know, he impressed in September. You know, when he was up earlier in the year, he he looked overmatched. He was, he had terrific numbers at AAA. Uh, and then, you know, was overmatched, but they stayed with him. And you know, at a time when uh, very few others pitched well, uh, Yakabonis pitched well down the uh, you know down the stretch. And I think he has a, a good chance of uh, of being that guy. And you know, if Castro doesn't make it as a 
you know, as a starter, if they decide that he's not suitable to be a starter, you know, he could be back as the long man or, or Nelson Cortez. But uh, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting if they do carry two rule five guys to start the season, you know, Santander is going to have to really impress them. I think, uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily on scholarship, but he's going to, you know, he's going to have to play well in, in, in spring training. How much, uh, how much does the fact that he got 45 days in last year on the major league roster. So in other words, the Orioles only have to get through about May 13th, before they own him outright and could send right. him they, down he, to the he, minors. 46 games. He was at 40, uh, on the roster 46 days, so he has to, he has to uh, be on the roster for 44 days to start the you know start the season. They were you know they were intrigued by him, right? Um, but you know it, it's a lot to to sort of give a, it's a lot to sort of give up six weeks of the season, you know. Uh, to just have a guy who's uh, who's not going to you know yeah. who, who's rarely going to play. The one thing start. about him, Rich, that surprised me, I thought from what I had heard when they drafted him last year in the Rule Five that this was a back because they kept saying how how similar he looked to Victor Martinez, and I understand they were talking about how he stands at the plate, but I was expecting a guy who was not real capable defensively he looked perfectly adequate defensively to me right but you know the thing about Victor Martinez he he patterned himself after Martinez yep. he had actually never even though they were both from Venezuela he had never met okay um Martinez until uh until they played the Tigers in an exhibition game but you know the fact that he's switch hitter uh intrigues him but one thing that the Orioles have this year that they didn't have last year is they actually have real prospects in the outfield who, you know, Let, who could play in the major league. Let's like talk Austin a little, Hayes. let's talk a little bit about Austin Hayes. It was talked about like last August or right around when they brought him up at the beginning of September that he might really just come in here and steal the right field job this year. Isn't it more likely when you read about things where well, you're, you're, you don't read as much as right, but that, that the Orioles probably feel he needs another two months at triple a well it... it's more that it's it may be more that they want to keep santander okay you know if they didn't have santan if they didn't have santander then uh hayes, then hayes would make the team yeah you know could 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 make the team but one there's one problem right now and that is the dearth of left-handed hitters that the orioles have you know in the outfield and you know, and on the team as well. Uh, other than Chris Davis, there is no one who is assured of making the team who's a left-handed hitter. Chance Cisco, uh, who may or may not be with the team on opening day, hits left-handed. Santander is a uh, switch hitter, and they have Jacob Brugman, uh, a left-handed uh, hitting corner outfielder who they got from Oakland, uh, you know, in November. He's on the forty-man roster, but that's it yep. as far as left-handed hitters. They're they're you know eager to sign another left-handed hitting outfielder, uh, you know. And there's some obviously Carlos Gomez is a name that you know we've heard, and John Jay, uh, but uh, they don't have one right now. And then for the future, they're hoping that uh, DJ Stewart is going to be 
you know, is going to be a, con- a contender. Stewart was their number one draft pick in 2015, and he came on, you know, in the second half of last year at Bowie very well. Uh, but uh, do you, you know, think, do you think he starts? Triple, you think he a. starts at Triple A? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you know he st- he starts at Triple A. Uh, so you know, a year ago, Stan, they drafted, you know, Santander. They had Santander and Anuri Tavares, outfielders from the Rule Five Draft, and Tavares was returned to the to the Red Sox. And one of the reasons that they the Orioles, you know, returned Tavares was that they had Cedric Mullins, right? Uh, you know, who played at Bowie, who had some speed, who they didn't really, you know, hadn't really seen play much. And then they saw Mullins play some in, in spring training last year. So they have these prospects, these outfield prospects that they didn't have. And also another name who we haven't talked about, who's sort of almost been forgotten is Joey Rickard. Yeah. Who was, you know, again, a rule five pick uh, for the 2000, uh, you know, 16 season and had a really good, First half of the year got hurt, and then last year uh, wasn't as impressive. So, yeah. uh, you know, their outfield situation is a little better than it was last year. It's one of the few positions where you can say that, you know, things are, uh, things are better this year than they were last year. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, Rock Kabatko at MassInSports.com, who you know and work with pretty closely uh, was able to have Buck Showalter on the hot stove show with he and Jim Hunter the other night. And uh, apparently off the air, he probably told him this, uh, and and Rock has written it today, that uh, Buck Showalter is close to an announcement, and I'm assuming it's going to come next week at FanFest, that he's going to move Manny Machado to shortstop. If that is the case, is it as simple as saying that Tim Beckham is going to be the third baseman, or... Are there some third basemen out there that the Orioles could get on a pillow deal, a one-year deal, that could play third base and Beckham could become sort of a super utility guy? Sure. Well, Todd, uh, Todd Frazier would be a, uh, you know, would be uh, a name that uh, the Orioles wouldn't have been interested in, but certainly uh, could be, yeah. uh, you know, interested on a, you know, a one, you know, a one-year deal. But you know. How how long will Manny Machado be on the ball club? Yeah, that's you know? that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. You know, I think that, that's it's so th- interesting because I I would have thought that they would have moved. I would have thought that they would have moved him by now, yeah. but it certainly doesn't. You know, despite people throwing out all kinds of um, all kinds of teams yep. that you know he's so you know he's been linked with. He still right now seems linked he's to the Baltimore with, Orioles. He's yeah. still with the, or, the Orioles. And, you know, as you know, uh, you know, there's a, an interesting parallel uh, with Andrew McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon, who's much older, but a terrific player yep. with a great history, with, who also is a year away from free agency, was traded by the Pirates to the San Francisco Giants, uh, you know, uh, several days ago. And what did the Giants give the Pirates, they gave them a, a promising young outfielder. Right, and a and marginal a pitcher. Decent, yeah. a, a decent major league reliever. Yeah. Well, if you offered, if you gave Dan Duquette that kind of offer for Manny Machado, you'd be laughed at. Of course, you know, the comparison isn't, you exact. know, isn't perfect yeah. because yeah. Machado's a, a terrific infielder and he's younger, but still, you know, when you have a year 
to go in free agency before free agency, you know, your value isn't all that high. We're talking with Rich Dubroff. We've just got him for a couple more minutes. That leads me to the the most kind of agonizing part of watching the Machado saga play out is the the appearance that the Orioles could do almost the exact same thing with uh, Jonathan Scope. Do you expect while you're down in Sarasota this year uh, for six weeks or seven weeks to see the Orioles make a concerted effort to sign Jonathan Scope to a five- or six-year deal? Well, I would. I, I think that that would be a good thing. Uh, you know, I wrote about it, as you know, earlier yep. this week, and I, I think that, you know, if they could do it soon before they go to arbitration, you know, it could sort of be a win-win because if they gave him, let's say, a five-year deal, that would basically only be a three-year extension because he's two years away from free agency, and that would, you know, and that would enable him to to go with a five-year contract. You know, would give the Orioles fans something to to really hang their hats on, because if you go and you and you go and you you resign Scope, well, that shows that they're that yeah. shows that they're being proactive. You know, they haven't done that. The last time that they extended uh, a uh, a player short of free agency, you know, several years short of free agency, was Nick Markakis in 2009 when they they bought out three years of uh, you know the last three years of his, his arbitration, or all three years of his arbitration, plus three years of free agency, and that worked out well for them. And uh, if they could do that for Scope. You know, let's say get him for five years, get him for five years, and that would enable him to be a free agent when he was, uh, you know, thirty-one. Uh, and you know, one of the things that you know fans keep talking about is that you know, well, gee, they just ought to rebuild and, and and trade Machado. Well, you know, Stan, if they have Bundy and Gosman and Hunter Harvey uh, pitching, you know, decently, uh, you know, a year from now, well, then they have, you know, they have something to talk about. So I don't know that necessarily a quote-unquote rebuild is necessary because they have some good young players, you know, Cisco and Austin Hayes and Trey Mancini and maybe Mullins, you know, Mullins, Mullins and DJ Stewart. Uh, they need a lot more. Yep. But you know the cupboard is the cupboard is not bare here, Stan. All uh, right. Well, this, our, year, this our, year may be very challenging, though. Our cupboard of time is uh, bare right now. We appreciate it. I know next week you'll be out at uh, FanFest, and we'll try and grab you in two weeks right before you go away to spring training. All right? All right, Stan. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Rich. And you can watch uh, Rich Dubroff on Inside Press Box uh, tomorrow at 1030 on uh, ABC2. We're going to take our first time out of the morning, and then we're going to hook up with – Former New York Times writer, longtime Orioles fan, and that is Mike Janowski. He joins us next on the Bat Around. Coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon, Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a -a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for 
for Guys coming soon to the Owings Mills Metro Center. Find out more by going to hammerandnailsgrooming.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Right now is your best time to upgrade into a new Chevrolet or Mitsubishi during Jerry's Trade-In, Trade-Up event. Jerry's is offering up to 130% Kelly Blue Book value for your trade. Take advantage of Jerry's lowest prices on all the new 2018 Chevy and Mitsubishi models, including Malibus, Equinox, and Colorado trucks. Plus, they come with Jerry's extended service care, featuring four years of free maintenance. Visit Jerry's Chevrolet on Joppa Road or online at jerryschevrolet.com. This week on Section 336, Drew Forrester. <laughs> Drew Forrester. Take two. This week on Section 336, Drew Forrester joins us in studio and promptly takes over. All right, let's look around. Make sure to turn all the TVs off, get all the mics off. <laughs> if you listen on Fridays when Drew Forrester visits Glenn Clark, you pretty much know what to expect. I literally could not get my introduction out. You sound like you're a wrestling guy. Check it out on section336.com. And pressboxonline.com. Cal's a good man. He's a Harford County boy. Full Circle Tire and Auto would like to thank the Harford County Sheriff's Department and the Baltimore County and Baltimore City Police Departments. Any active or retired employee can receive 8.75% off up to $100 on any service. We are proud to serve you. Thank you for serving us. The deal lasts through January 31st, and that's Full Circle Tire and Auto at 410-676-CARS. That's 410-676-2277 at 1304 Governor's Court, Suite 110 in Abingdon, Maryland. Full Circle Tire and Auto.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. That, that, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out. Glenn Clark, Aaron. Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins he Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com Our new producer, Brittany Everett, she has got this. She's got this down to a science, man. She she calls Mike Janowski and says, "You'll be on in 10. and I think Mike took a gulp. Right, Mike? Are you there? Meant ten minutes. Yeah, you thought you meant ten minutes. Ah, <laughs> uh, these these youngsters today. They 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 are so precise. Smart. Yes, they are. How you doing, Michael Janowski? I work good out here. Weather good out there in California? It's always good out here. Give or take fires and mudslides, it's always a nice place to be. Have the have the fires been contained for the most part now? Yeah, the one the the big the big ones are are they're done. Um, but what happens what happens is out here, if anybody's really interested, is 
what the fires denude hillsides from trees, and then when we get big rains, as we did uh, right after the fires, there's nothing to hold the rain onto the on, into the soil, so that it creates these these enormous mudslides. Mud one of our biggest freeways is actually, I think it's still closed. It's not supposed to open till uh, till Monday. It's one of the big north-south uh, arteries from between Los Angeles and San Francisco. So it's. It's been a mess, but that's one of the prices we pay for living out here. Yeah, it's just I'm always amazed at those Santa Ana winds and when those fires whip up. And yeah, that we have our share of things, but we don't get we don't get three feet of snow and yep. and ten degree temperatures and you know things like that. All right. Well, I know you didn't come on to talk about this, <laughs> but, but no, but but the, the, that story that has captured my imagination is this sickening story of the the husband and wife uh, that's the th- a terrible story where what part of california is that it's um it's sort of i think that that was uh east of san diego that's what a little i thought bit north that is um, such a disturbing story on so many levels it's yeah just, it was i was struck by the fact that the film the the news footage showed where they lived and it, it looked like a really nice neighborhood which always goes to show you never know what goes on yep. behind closed doors you just never know All and right. That, Thank God a, one of those kids got out and yeah. and, and ended this, this horror. Horror. Terrible. Terrible story. Um, yeah. Speaking of terrible stories, not to make, not <laughs> to make light of that, uh, but good it is segue. a segue into the Orioles. Uh, kind of their offseason has been like sort of uh, the fires, the wildfires, yeah. and a mudslide all rolled into one. What, what do you make of it? Because it's not as much as we'd like, uh, you know, the part of the Baltimore Orioles fan base wants to blame the Orioles and Peter Angelos. It seems like it's endemic to about 20 or 22 of the 30 teams are all moving kind of like at a glacier-like pace. Yeah, what strikes me, I think what's, I, I've thought about this a lot because I knew we were going to talk about this. And, um, you know, I, I know there was one very long essay written this week about the economics of the game, how they've shifted and all that. And I, I think, to a large extent, that's true. I mean, salaries have gone up and up and up, and free agency has changed the game, and these opt-outs and all the, all these things that have been become now uh, routine. I think they all play some some role, and they all cumulatively they all have some effect. But I was thinking about I think there's a from the it, just speaking from the Orioles' perspective. I think what it to me. What it all goes back to is player development. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Yep. And if, you know, you can't, you know, teams in, in places like New York and San Francisco and, and L.A., just by mere fact of their fan base and the numbers, uh, they're always going to draw more people. Their stadiums are going to be packed. They're, you know, win, lose, or draw, they're always going to be popular in their cities. You know, the Orioles and other teams in these so-called mid-market um, cities, they have a different kind of a challenge. And I don't know the economics of, of the Orioles. I don't know how much they make from Masson and, and all that stuff. But I, what always strikes me is when the Yankees are in the middle of a deal and somebody and, and they want a guy not a free agent guy, but they want to make a trade. I'm always struck by the fact that the, the trading partner team comes up with two guys who are, it always says, they're highly ranked in the Yankee organization, but they're not their best prospects. Right, right, right. So, and then you watch the Orioles, the, and I don't follow the minor leagues all that closely, but I do know that if you, if you track 
the number of guys who make the major league team from the Orioles minor league system, it just doesn't seem all that that productive. And if it were me, the first guy, I wouldn't worry about signing free agents. I would sign the guy who develops pitchers for Tampa Bay. That's who I'd sign. Right. And when you start having a double A AA and triple A teams with lots and lots of prospects, you 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 know, you can't do anything about the free agent market, but you sure have more ability to trade for a guy who might put you over the top. Of course, the Orioles are well beyond one guy to put you over the top, but um I just think that's where it all starts. Mike, how much of it and I don't want to go into a bashing of our president cuz I could spend the the whole 2 hours on that. But no. but but what I'm getting at is you get somebody in a position of authority. How much of it is with Dan Duquette, the fact that this is a guy who had been blackballed for 10 years and he comes in and he wants to he's got an agenda of doing what you want your general manager to do, which is try and win. But maybe he was overly aggressive in giving up young players like Josh Hader, like Eduardo Rodriguez, like Zach Davies, and maybe the Orioles today would be looking a lot better had he held on to those guys. Yeah, I think you can always point to that aspect of it. I I think what you have to factor in, though, is it's also a franchise that hasn't won in a very long time. I don't mean you yeah. know coming out with a plus five hundred winning percentage. I just mean they haven't they haven't succeeded in the playoffs to any great degree in a very very long time. I think there's a hunger to you always sort of think well there's that one guy that if we get that guy it's sort of like the yeah. Andrew Miller trade. Well, the Andrew Miller trade was was you know exhibit A of this what I'm talking. Yeah, about. exactly. So you think well. I'll, I'll take a chance. I'll, I'll trade a I'll trade a good uh, a guy with a high ceiling, and get that one guy that I think can put us over the top. And to some degree, it worked. I mean, they that was the best year they've had in ages, right? It it worked until the point where it made sense to then say, "Hey, we we own Andrew Miller. Let's keep him. Let's keep him." Right. Yeah. And you know, I think the short sightedness is, and I again, I don't know what happens behind closed doors, but. You know, the idea that, that Manny Machado was not extended two or three years ago, and, and I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll make this prediction, yeah. if, if Manny leaves, whether he's traded or, or whatever, or you know, now or before the trading deadline, or he just walks at the end of the year, tell me what incentive Jonathan Scope is going to have to stay here long term. Well, they, I don't think they can wait to find out what happens with Machado at the end of this year. In other words, if they trade him in the next five, six weeks, that's one thing. But I think the Orioles need to exhaust every avenue in February and March to sign Jonathan Scope for six years. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I think geez. his biggest incentive is the fact that he hasn't made huge amounts of money yet and he could sign a guaranteed contract that would guarantee his financial, you know, position in the world for the rest of his life. Or or his agent says, you know what, you're a great player, maybe you get injured, maybe you won't, you know, hang in there yeah. for another year or two, and then you're going to strike it rich. I mean, I think what works against, um, what works against guys like him are the... the Kind of the mistakes that the Orioles have made. I mean, signing Chris Davis for that crazy contract, and 
And then out here you see it with Albert Pujols. They sign these ridiculous contracts for 10 years. You know, I'd be curious to see how Stanton does in New York. I mean, he's a wonderful player, but is he a wonderful player for the next 7 to 10 years? I don't know. Well, we will we will find out. You know, with scope, what's what's so fascinating to me about about Peter Angelos is he's he's clearly a very brilliant guy, um, very smart guy, but he somehow has that lawyer's clock, which is counter to the clock in in the world of baseball. Yeah. Because doesn't it seem like they are almost repeating the Machado situation with scope? Whereas a year ago would have been the time to, in other words, it almost seems like they are, they lack a confidence of their conviction about players that they own of saying, hey, Scope can be here for seven or eight more, not 10 more years. Let's get him inked last year to a $100 million contract yeah. where now, if he's one year away from being a $200 plus million player himself. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know about that. You know, I, I take you, I take you at your word about him. I, I don't know him. I don't know what makes him tick, but I do suspect sometimes that not only with him, but other, other owners of these, you know, scratching and clawing franchises is their DNA is a little different. I think, and I've been reading about the, the this, this notion about whether you build your team to be competitive or just to, you know, play baseball games. And when I read box scores every morning, as I do, the first, the first line I go to. You, you read them online, though, now, right? No. Well, you still, or do you, I, still, I, or do you read them in the paper? As a newspaper guy, yeah. I, still, I get the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times delivered to my house every day, so... The LA Times still has a decent sports section, and they and they and they have all the box scores. So I, when I drink mm. coffee in the morning, I look at them. But the first line I look in box scores is attendance. Mm -hmm. And I know that you know you go to you go to New York, and you know even in the cold days of April, they'll draw twenty five, twenty eight, thirty two thousand people a game. What happens at Camden Yards? You know, twelve thousand, eleven thousand. Yeah, it's just very different, and you know. From the management's perspective, do I want to spend an extra forty, fifty, sixty million dollars a year to win seven more games? Correct. I, I understand that. Uh, believe me, I understand that. So I, you know, I don't know what the calculus is among ownership, and maybe, you know, for them, they're not passionate fans like we are. You know, like you and I grew up with the Orioles from the fifties and sixties. And, you know, it's in our DNA, that part of it. But I don't know if it's in their DNA about the urgency of winning and the passion for the, for the you know, the wonderful years of this franchise and, and its history and, and all that. I don't know. So all you can do is look at the product they put on the field. And to be four weeks out from spring training with two-fifths of a rotation and uncertainty in the infield and uncertainty in the outfield, I mean... It sure doesn't give you a lot of confidence if I lived at home and back in Baltimore and I was contemplating buying a season ticket. Do I want to? I don't know. Maybe I don't this year. Well, the the interesting thing is, you know, from a fantasy baseball perspective, the other day last week I said, let me look around the American League at starting pitchers in my league that might be available. So I said, first thing I got to do is look at all the American League starting pitchers. So team by team – 
I went to a, a website called Roster Resource, which is owned, I think, by MLBTradeRumors.com now. Anyway, it, it's a very interesting tool, and it shows you all throughout the organization at every level. But at a certain point, you see who the projected starting rotation is. Every <laughs> team in the American League, save the Orioles, has between five and nine names that you could pencil in and say, and I'm not even including somebody like Miguel Castro. I'm talking mm-hmm. about more firmly uh, entrenched as a major leaguer. And I'm telling you about seven or eight teams had five uh, starting pitchers, three or four had six, a couple had two, and a couple, I mean, a couple had eight, and one or two had nine. Then you got to the Orioles, and they're literally were two names that you could pencil in right yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, and I don't know that there's there's going to be some magic wand and we're going to turn up, you know, two or three guys by the time spring tra- spring training starts. I mean, the last time we went through this, we got Ubaldo Jimenez. And, <laughs> wow, that or, was a great deal. Or Giovanni Gallardo. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I don't understand it. I, I just don't understand. I mean, there's some quality guys out there. You need probably two of them, and then you you figure your fifth guy is going to be one of those Rule Five guys. Well, it's looking right now like Miguel Castro is the guy they they clearly think can can do the job. They probably, believe it or not, are going to sign Chris Tillman to a one-year contract. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that and, as well. And maybe somebody like a Jason Vargas or an Andrew Kashner. And maybe another youngster they they figure out so they'll have six or seven names. Uh, but isn't but that the Orioles? It it really has become of of late the Orioles. You know you've I got know. you've got an ownership that really does not place the importance on uh, the, a high value on starting pitchers because the owner is a guy who who clearly looks at that actuarial table uh, and says pitchers equal danger because the you know they get hurt and well, uh you could say that of almost any player i mean yeah you know they didn't sign markakis because he wanted an extra year so he goes and does does okay with atlanta i mean you know you sort of get what you pay for yeah. and um you know, this is a franchise that once had four 20-game winners in the same year. It's astonishing. We're talking with Mike Janowski. Mike, a former Baltimore Sun sports writer, Miami Herald sports writer, and New York Times sports writer who finished out his writing career with the New York Times in the news business. So I want to ask you a, kind of a, a more baseball-wide story uh, that's a little bit of a news story it's taking on. It's the commissioner's push to speed up the pace of game. Uh, you love the game of baseball. I know you've, you know, fell in love with the Orioles again uh, at an older age and reconnected with them. It, do you watch or not watch a baseball game because of the 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 pitch, the lack of a pitch clock, or or the no, fact that? No, I don't. But you know what? I wish they would do. I wish they would figure out a way to keep when you're watching on TV to not go to commercials every time. There's a pitching change every time. There's an, the, the the inning ends because you know that if when you're in the stadium, there's so many things that are going on. You watch guys come off the field. They're kibitzing with their teammates, or they're or they're talking to fans. I mean, there's so many interesting flavored things that are mm-hmm. going on that you never get to see because as soon as that third out is made, 
commercial. As soon as the manager starts walking to the mound to, to change the pitcher, commercial. I think I think there's there are other ways to instill interest and keep people in the game. Look, is a pitching clock going to make him? I mean, I'm sure they've done studies. I can't imagine that that this is peeled off 20 minutes of the game. I just can't imagine that. No, they, I don't think that's going to make that much difference. I think they're very worried that baseball is not a game that young people who have grown up on the internet and are, yeah, you know, I agree with you that. know, so I think they're they're scared to death of that and I think they they might kill the sort of the the golden goose, uh, you know. Well, I suspect NFL football will fold before baseball will fold because I, of all the the head injuries and the the trauma. I remember when I was covering football, you know, it's one thing to watch a game from the press box or even the stands, but if you've ever stood on the sidelines of an NFL game and listened to it, not yeah. watch it, close your just eyes listen and to listen to it, it it's just so violent. Did you see the movie uh, Concussion? I did not. Yeah, I, I actually sat and watched it during the holidays. It is a, it's a staggering film at the landmines they put in front of this guy to tell him he was wrong when they knew all along what the data was showing. Yeah, it's a yeah. very, very discouraging. Uh, uh, it, that's, a, that's a really violent sport, and I suspect that, you know, the talent, I, I don't know if mothers are going to start dissuading their kids from playing football. In I, think they have. I think they have. I think they have. I think you will see a precipitous change there before. Base, I mean, ba- there's something about baseball. It's so magical, and I think, you know, like when I, I go to Dodger Stadium now and again to watch the Dodgers, and there's a fair number of young kids in the in the stands, and that that's really that really heartens me because um, although the Dodgers do something really stupid with their TV deal, which makes the games unwatchable for two thirds of the population out here because they don't have the Dodgers yep. Sports Network. But um, that's it, still a staggering news story to me. I, I know it's ridiculous. It, it's completely. I mean, when the Dodgers finally got to the World Series. I don't think I had seen them on TV more than once or twice because they were in maybe national games, but I don't. So I subscribe to DirecTV and I watch. I have the Major League Baseball package, so I get to see. I get to see 29 teams regularly, but right. I don't get to see the Dodgers. I'm going to make a point of grabbing you early in the season to see how you think the Orioles are in the first uh, quadrant of the season. Always a joy to talk to you, Mike Janowski, one of the smarter men I know. Oh, Stan, thanks so much. It's great to talk to you, and um, uh, let's hope uh, we find some pitching. All right. Take care. <laughs> okay, Stan, thank you. All right. That's Mike Janowski, former writer for the New York Times uh, and, uh, of course, the Baltimore Sun. And I'm going back to the Baltimore Sun back when Earl Monroe played for the Orioles, uh, for the Bullets. Uh, Wes Unsell played for the Bullets. That's when Mike started his professional career. He graduated the University of Maryland uh, and then uh, was here in Baltimore for six or seven years. You're having trouble with that phone, getting a dial tone? A little bit. You know, it's my first day, Stan. Okay. Don't be hating. All right, I'm not hating. <laughs> I ain't hating. I ain't hating. Uh, but uh, interesting. By the way, I wrote down, I wrote down some things because I knew I'd, I'd have some time to, to chat uh, directly with you. The Orioles in 2012 – Finished in second place, 93 and 69. And 13, they fell to third place, 85 and 77. 14, they won the division, 96 and 66. 15, third place at 500, 81 and 81. 16, 
They bounced back and won eight more games than they had in 15 to go 89 and 73. And then last year, that slide at the end of the season took them well under 500, finished 75 and 87. In the, these last six seasons, the Red Sox have finished in first place three times, in last place three times. The Orioles have finished in first place once and last place once. The New York Yankees, it's interesting, have finished in first place once. They alone are the only team in the American League East not to have finished in last place. Joining us right now is a former professor of mine. I always uh, get that out there first to date him, but seriously, one of the really fine baseball authors out there and commentators, Lee Lowenfish, joins us now. Lee, how are you? Well, a very happy uh, early uh, spring day to you. Boy, it's going to be 50 up here today. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put on shorts, but uh, it does bring baseball closer, and it makes us feel like baseball, so it's great to be with you, Stan. Is it a good time to be an Oriole fan as we get closer to spring training, or do you wish they had another month to, to work all this out? I'm afraid uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could play Pollyanna to you, but... Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know what what to expect. Or let's put it this way: If you were writing your column about reasons they'll do good, reasons they'll do bad, I I, I can't see writing a long column on how well they could do this year. I mean, just too many question marks, you know. No, no question about it. The Orioles of uh, 2018. Uh, it's hard to imagine. You, you could probably see Tampa with a couple, if they make a couple more moves, sliding below the Orioles, but it really looks like the Orioles have carved out a niche for themselves as the last place team in the American League East. Well, my concern, you know, Oriole fans, I'll never forget when, when John Miller came to broadcast in Baltimore in the early 80s, and we had the great teams in 82 and 83, and he said, Boston, they expect to win. The Yankees, they expect to win. Baltimore, we don't, we don't expect to win, but we do expect to contend in, in September, you know, to play meaningful games in September. And uh, it's hard to foresee it this year. And to me, the biggest issue is management. I mean, I mean everyone could be gone next by uh, the end of the year, and that means Showalter Tuquette. Adam Jones, Jones, Machado, Machado and Zach Britton. So that uncertainty drives me a little crazy. There's no question that is what's got a lot of Oriole fans concerned right now. If you are Jonathan Scope or you are Adam Jones, clearly at two different points in their career, how closely are you watching how the team has sort of muffed their window of opportunity before you decide whether you want to stay with the Orioles? Well, I think those are two players the Orioles should make an effort to, to sign, uh, for uh, at least in Scope's case, to buy out the arbitration. I mean, here's, I mean Scope is one of the great stories of, of, uh, of, of the Orioles. I always think back to what Ken Griffey Sr. said to his son, and in general, about the team that signs you cares about you and knows you the most and scope they signed when he was 16 and everything i know about him i have not met him but i've seen the videos i've watched him play i mean he he feels a a great pride in being an oriole 
So, uh, so I, I think he wants to stay if if the price is right. And let let's not forget that the the price always has to be right. So you know, it, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see now. Now, Adam Jones is a leader in the community. I, I think he would like to stay. I know evaluators feel that he's on the downslide, and he might be. Yeah. And but what what I'm concerned about is there anyone in the Oriole organization that is capable of making some plans beyond this year? You know, for so we can down the road. Uh, play meaningful games in September and hopefully October. I don't I, see it yet. I, I think the, the one thing that an Oriole fan can be heartened by a little bit is that if this truly is the end of the uh, Duquette-Showalter era together, you know, a six-year run that's been a pretty good run, all things considered, is that Dan Duquette, if should he leave, will leave the team in much better shape than he inherited in terms of the the pipeline from minors to majors is starting to finally percolate a lot more than we've seen since the early 80s, you know, uh, Lee? Well, I, I would hedge that a little bit in the, because, you know, when you're dealing with the Yankees and the Red Sox and now Artie Moreno and uh, the Angels, you can't fan on those top draft picks. And I see that D.J. Stewart was invited to uh, spring training, but that was a questionable number one pick. Uh, there, it's better. I grant you, it's better. But the 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 lack of arms is well, is a, a deep concern. And yeah. and believe me, it's not just the Orioles' fault. You know, I mean, the, the, there are more bad organizations in baseball than than good ones. And uh, so I'm I'm not trying to be you know, trash him too much. But uh, I agree partly in what you're saying, but uh, I'm not convinced that we have these these uh, uh, can't-miss players coming through the system. And that's why scouting is so important, because you've got to make as good a judgment as you can. And it's the hardest thing in the world, really, to project an 18-year-old kid and see what he's going to be like when he's 22 physically, and and if I can use a <laughs> a word that's not in great uh, fashion these days, you know what he's going to be like morally when he has millions of dollars to play around with. We're talking with Lee Lowenfish, Lee, who has written the Imperfect Diamond about the labor situation in Major League Baseball, but that dates back. You wrote that book when in about seventy eight, seventy nine, seventy nine. I remember yeah. my. My first interviews were in spring training with Al Lopez and Robin Roberts on the same day, and I earlier interviewed Marvin Miller and uh, and I and I just talking this morning about uh, Peter Seitz. Uh, uh, he was uh, he gave me all the uh, uh, the the exhibits from the Messersmith McNally case, right? And uh, I'll, I'll I'll never forget him saying that the. The owners of baseball just never learn anything, you know. Well, and and now you know it, what makes it interesting is that there are about what 150 free agents not signed for next year, and so they're they're almost doing the owners 40 years later what Charles Finley suggested when they first had that uh, arbitration decision against the owners. You know, you know, let them all be free agents and see what happens. So. 
this, this next month's going to be really interesting because the, the dominoes will start to fall. But if, if J.D. Martinez is thinking that he's going to get his $2 million, $200 million from the Red Sox yeah. and he'll sit out part of the season, I think he might be in for a rude awakening. That's just my guess on this. By the way, last night on MLBTradeRumors.com, I read a, a piece of, about what's going on in baseball right now that said that the number is 170 free agents remain unsigned. The, the piece went on that I read to say that right now Manfred is ticked at the union, the players are ticked at the union, and the players are ticked at the owners. Um, one of the most interesting figures in all of this is Tony Clark. He does not seem like he has carved out um, how he feels really about a lot of things. Do you think his job is in jeopardy? Well, certainly the loss. The, the very untimely death of uh, Michael Weiner yeah. has set back the union. I mean, because Weiner was uh, unlike Fear and unlike Miller and more like Dick Moss, the unheralded uh, uh, counsel to Miller who really loved baseball and was an old Pirate fan from Pittsburgh. I mean, Weiner had this ability to get the players to understand the players' rights can't be given back. But he could talk to the owners. He didn't get into uh, real feuds, and uh, his uh, his departure uh, from the from the uh, brain tumor was was a real loss for the union. And and it so clearly the the union made a mistake on allowing this tax to go down for the big market teams. And this is how it's playing out. You know that the the Yankees and the Dodgers are not getting involved with free agents until possibly next year with Machado and with, with, with uh, Brian Harper and maybe Kershaw. Uh, and so that with, with them not um, involved in the free agent bid, uh, bidding, you know, you're not, the, the prices are not being driven up. And Boris, who is, whose hero is Marvin Miller, is, is, wants the, he, he always thinks there'll be a greater fool out there. Uh, and so we'll see. It, it still might happen, but it, as I say, these next few weeks are going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, of all the, the the answers to why the 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 um, the free agency has moved so slow this off season, the one that I find fascinating is that most of the teams now have such similar people in their statistics. Uh, you know their. Um, um, you know the the people that study these uh, metrics and uh, all the stats and all that that each team has these categories and they all think alike. So therefore, they all have a much sort of finite version of what players' worths are uh, or values are. Uh, do you follow that at all? Well, no. I I think that that's true. I mean. But it also doesn't mean that it's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lemming quality in in baseball, in, in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the 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 visionaries are very uh, few and far between in, in any industry. And uh, if these uh, young uh, Turks uh, who are now established in so many of the organizations think that they have figured out 
how players develop, how they decline, and, and you know, they find an algorithm for it, I think they're sadly mistaken. But I do think that that's one of the reasons why it's been very slow. And, it's, uh, uh, and that's also why I think the next few weeks, even even the next two weeks, will be very determinative because I don't, I don't think players, um, uh, those 170, I think most of them want to know by the end of this month, certainly, where they're going to be for spring training. So, so one of the topics surrounding that issue is it seems like all these metrics people, you know, the um, uh, I'm, I'm losing track of the exact word I want to use. I uh, think analytics. Analytics, right? that's the word I've been looking for for the last five minutes. All these analytics people, it's pretty clear that they don't want to give a 31- or a 32-year-old player any longer a contract more than, say, three years. So the, the, the idea that somebody like Josh Donaldson, who is 32 years old, will somehow get a six- or seven-year contract, uh, he might be the one exception because he might get a five-year deal. But if, if they don't want to give you the big money toward the end, is there something that can be reopened at the next uh, basic agreement that would change the face of free agency that would start to maybe – Get the players' clocks moving a little sooner. Is that well, what actually, they should that's aim for? a very for? good question. And yeah. um, I, when 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 free agency came down after the the '76 season, uh, the the sites ruling could have made everyone a free agent, but right. the, the, union the union did not the union want behind that. Behind Miller and Moss, got it down to after six years, right? And so that limited the number of, of free agents. Uh, dramatically, and I have a great memory. Uh, I think it's correct of you know Rick De- uh, Rick Dempsey in that great '77 season for the Orioles, which is one of my favorite seasons, even if though they just came up short, won 97 games. So, you know, sometime in mid-season, uh, Dempsey uh, uh, got a five-year deal, and uh, and Dwight Evans, who later at the end became an Oriole, kind of. When he came up to the plate and Dempsey was catching, he kind of rubbed him on the head as if to say, good work, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, Bando, Sal Bando was one of the leaders of the Players Association, a moderate. He thought that once the free agents ruling came down, they wouldn't need, they need, wouldn't need salary arbitration. And what I would love to see is to make free agent um, eligibility four years or, yeah. or and and which is kind of what it is in other sports. Would that would that put too many? And remember, it's important to remember that the 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 labor side, the union side, did not want everybody to be a free agent all at the same time every year because they they felt that that would have driven prices down because there'd be too much supply. Correct. Right. Exactly. And that. But now you see, and you see it also in that first agreement. There was a limit to the number of free agents a team could sign. Okay, and that was uh, that depended on the number of people who were free agents, and so I believe it was like three, and uh, and the Yankees in the first year you know went after Gritch and Rudy, but they wound up getting Reggie. Right. Uh, but but you know that it's kind of a moot point now because every year the number of free agents. Uh, goes into triple digits, and now 
Now you're saying there's 170 unsigned, and maybe at the beginning of this offseason there were 200. Yeah. So that that's um, uh, that that's not going to fly, you know. What I would, but but I think opening free agency or. or Earlier would would help the younger players, and it might be an inducement to to the, the to the veteran to to sign to sign longer contracts and stay with the team. You know, you know it, it's interesting. One of the things that I always found the most um, unfair part of the steroid era, Lee, gets back to arbitration, and I felt that the owners were so slow to the. To, to the realization of what steroids were doing to the arbitration process and how the arbitration process, rather than free agency, was what drove prices to such a high level so soon because you were comparing apples and oranges. You were comparing a non-steroid guy to steroid numbers, and I thought that the steroid number guys drove the prices up for players. Yeah. Artificially. Yeah, yeah but but you know, you, you see that uh, the uh, uh most owners, you know, didn't have any moral concern about this and, and mm-hmm. sadly neither did Miller and the Players Association. I mean he was already retired but he was still an influence. And, you know, that that's what made that period so so sad for a lot of us because it, you know, it screwed up the record book. And you had guys um, uh, um, risking their their long term health for this stuff. Yep. But you know, I, I'm not going to get on a high horse about this because when you look at the lives, the awfully tragic and dumbly short lives of a Halliday and a and a Jose Fernandez. I mean, you know, the, these guys they they think they're indestructible yep. and and you know they'll do anything in and and out out of season it seems so but but you know to get back to the to the economic question there there's another the, the, the Mike Flanagan and I saw this comment on the Mazin website said that the way you deal with the luxury tax is that you should apply the luxury tax uh penalty to teams within your division uh, and and so, like, if the Yankees and the Red Sox went out and spent a lot of money, that luxury tax wouldn't go to the other uh, 28 teams. It but would go would within go the division. Within the division. That's an you know? interesting. That, way. That's kind of a nice idea yeah, too. But that's interesting. But you know, it's uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But the sad thing about baseball is that we're not just in Baltimore feeling pretty pessimistic i mean you know how about pittsburgh how about miami you know how about oakland and tampa bay where they're never going to get stadiums and uh uh and and like tampa bay i'm not convinced when you trade longoria uh and i i don't see their future either off the field or on the field being that that good we're talking with lee lowenfish lee uh, the current news story surrounding a sp- sort of sports business is this um, this whole push by the commissioner on the 22nd clock and how up in arms the union is against that. How much is the union against that because they're the, or the players in the union against that because they feel like they're being put upon? by how slow the free agent market. Is there a connectivity between 
how unhappy the players are with this this work related um, working condition related choice by the commissioner. Well, I you know I I think it's part of it, but but you know it, it, I'm I'm glad that some of the names of the people who are negotiating for the union is is are now sort of making the press. I saw the other day that the committee that will be dealing with this at least on on the preliminary level is Goldschmidt of the of the Diamondbacks right. who are uh, who's a really solid guy from all that I've read. Matt Harvey of the Mets who's <laughs> the um uh, the opposite uh and then and two other uh, Andrew Miller who is certainly yeah. a solid guy who unfortunately the Orioles didn't keep <laughs> and and another fourth one. So I I don't think it, I think it's part of it, but I think the union is very divided on yeah. this too. Yeah. Uh, and I've uh, and Manfred certainly doesn't have the credibility, but uh, uh, to to be a fair broker on this. So it's, that's another thing that's going to be interesting to see if they can really shorten the games. And I I, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's going to be very successful. What, I mean, I don't your, like these four-hour games myself. You know, I, but, I don't either. What is your take on why he seems so obsessed with moving this pace of game? Is it about what what Major League Baseball sees in the future? The future fans are not in tune with these three-and-a-half and, and four-hour games? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, Manfred is very attuned to the TV. Yep. Uh, you know the, the 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 polls are very interesting on this. You know, because the polls of people who go to games, they don't care how most of them don't care how long the game is. They're going into an alternative world that they love, right? Yeah. The people at home are upset because you know the it, it and and the TV people if, if though they're upset, the TV people are upset, and and so that clearly that's where Manfred is coming from. Uh, he, the TV and and you know when Dan Libertard ripped him open uh, as a Marlins fan and, and as a uh, uh, and fairly so I mean he complained uh, it was an ESPN interview and Man Manfred complained high up to ESPN that 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 wasn't that he was unhappy so it, it uh, TV is dictating too many things it's always been it's always been the case. Uh, since they they played that playoff game in the rain in '77 between the Dodgers and the Phillies, yeah, and Bowie Kuhn, you know, went to a game, the World Series game at night without a top coat. I right, mean, the, you know, getting that TV inventory on and and hopefully without uh, excess innings, you know, that that's their priority. And believe me, if that TV money starts to dry up. We're going to have some interesting things in baseball, you know. Lee, and, uh, uh, Lee, this this week the uh, selections will be announced uh, on Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. It looks like uh, Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Tommy, Edgar Martinez, and Trevor Huffman are in. It looks like Mussina is trending right, but is going to fall just short. I think he's at seventy-two point four percent right now with a couple days remaining. Uh, your thoughts on the Hall of Fame for this year? Well, no doubt Chipper Jones uh, is, is, is a no-brainer. Guerrero is close to that. Yeah. Um, the others, you know, Tommy is, is an interesting case, and I guess his, his greatest claim 
is that well there are two great claims he hit 600 home yeah. runs so you know and 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 he was not tainted with the with the steroid with the, brush the uh, the steroids uh but in this cynical age we're living in and I'm part of it I don't I hate to be cynical totally and I don't think I'm totally cynical but every so many people feel that uh, the ones the who are in like uh, one example, Padre Rodriguez last year. He knew how he knew how to mask things better. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was and not so, a big fan. I was not the a big others, fan. I like. I think Ed, Edgar deserves it. Yep. And uh, and the fifth one, well, Trevor Tre- Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Yeah. He 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 did not come up big in the big spots. So I had I would have. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I would vote for him. I also I don't like that many going in at one time, you know, the Hall of Fame should be for the great, not for the very good. And I think I can definitively say Chipper Jones was great and was consistent. And um, and Guerrero, probably. The others, I'm not sure. I'm a hard grader, so I wouldn't necessarily say that they're all in, but I, I'm kind of glad that Morris and Trammell got in by the veterans. I, I but, agree. But because once they get in, Where's Lou it Whitaker? does become more of a very good yeah. and a maybe even a very, very good thing as opposed to a great. So, you know, all right. uh, these arguments never end. No, and they don't. So <laughs> that, right. that's where I stand uh, right now. All right. Lee Lowenfish, many thanks to you for coming on. And, uh, I'm sure we'll get out to a ball game this year. It's been a long time. Oh, absolutely! Time. Yeah, we we're still zero zero. We have, uh, I say it with a little bit of mix, uh, with not conviction, but we're we're zero zero until March 29th, right? All right, Lee, that sounds good right now. Okay. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. You got it. Thanks much. All yeah. right. Bye bye. There you go, Lilo and Fish. Uh, good man. Good man. Longtime friend. I've been friends with Lee since about 1972. So that's 28, that's like 45 years. That's a long time. That's older than Brittany Everett, 45 years. You're really dating yourself there, Stan. I'm really dating myself, (laughs) yes. All right, we're going to take a timeout right now. When we get back, a little bit more on this Hall of Fame thing uh, with Bill Latson of MLB.com. He joins us next on the Battle Round. Stay tuned. How can you make a sunny beach with great music, great food, and a great cause even better? Just have water. Join us on Saturday, January 27th for the Maryland State Police Polar Bear Plunge at Any Point State Park. My name is Carmen, and your support helps me achieve my dreams of being a greater part of my community through sports. Go to plungemd.com to sign up today. Proudly sponsored by Aerotech, New Day USA, St. John Properties, Flying Dog, and Zest. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. For the first time ever, it's our best of Baltimore sports double issue as we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the last 12 months, including the announcement of our first ever local sports person of the year. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. 
You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Here's another reason to run by the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A today, the cow calendar. That's right, the 2018 Chick-fil-A cow calendar is now on sale for just $4. Like wristwatches and cash, you still need a wall calendar, and the 2018 Chick-fil-A cow calendar comes with a cow calendar card, good this year for monthly specials and treats. Steer yourself over to Nottingham Square's Chick-fil-A, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, and pick up your cow calendar for just $4 today. Hear the latest in high school sports news with High School Sports Line, powered by County Sports Zone. Each week, Glenn Clark and Wick Eisenberg will bring you the scores from around Maryland, games to watch, and discuss the latest high school sports news on High School Sports Line. What an amazing season for Coach Tim Palmer, who joins us now here on High School Sports Line. My motivation is to build character and build quality young men who want to play this game properly. Listen anytime at mdnewsnetwork.net. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand, for me, why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And we are back on the battle round. I want to mention a new sponsor, Hammer and Nails. They're coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon. Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails, soon to be Knowings Mills Metro Center. We're brought to you by Jerry's Chevrolet, where it's about you. We thank Jerry's for coming on as a sponsor of our show and Glenn's show and Ken Zales' show tomorrow. Ken and Sarita Hubbard. We'll be on at uh, 10 to 12. Kyle Ottenheimer will be there with the Fantasy and Reality Football Show. And uh, good day if you're a football fan. The games, by the way, tomorrow start at 3.05 and 6.30 or 6.40. Jacksonville, New England early and late is Minnesota at Philadelphia. Joining us right now is a good friend of mine. And anytime he can get on the air without Craig Heist is a good time for him. And that is Bill Ladson of MLB.com. How are you, Bill? 
doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your coming on. It's been good to get to know you aside from your friendship with Mr. Heist. Yes, uh, yes, it's been fun. Hey, we've been uh, talking a little bit in the last segment with my friend Lee Lowenfish uh, about the Hall of Fame. Is, right. is It looks like five guys are going to go in by the vote and then the Trammell and Morris by the Veterans Committee. Is five too many in one year? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it's, I think it's great. I think there are guys who are not in the Hall of Fame should be there, and I don't have a problem with it. I mean, in the past, uh, we've had maybe one go in, sometimes none, and, you know, and, that, you know, and when they have none, they would have some, you know, old timer from years ago go in. So, I think this is great, and yeah, we, we're going to see people who really deserve to get in there. Uh, how do you feel about the five that right now look like they're going in? And is there still time for Mike Musina to sneak in at the very end? He's at seventy-two point four percent, I think, right now. Or is that is that a done deal that he's going to have to wait another year at least? I have to thank you don't wait another year. Um, you know, Craig, Craig and I have had this argument about Mike Messina, but, uh, you, you know, I, I think he'll go in eventually and because he won a lot of games. He played in the tough American League East, and I think eventually for that he'll go in. Uh, how about the other five that are going in? All justified in going in? Uh, yes. I mean, you talk about Chipper Jones. Um, I'm assuming you talk about Trevor Hoffman. And Vlad Guerrero, uh, Tommy, oh, yeah. and and um, and Edgar Martinez. Those five. Yeah. Well, Edgar Martinez, uh, I don't think he may not go in. Um, I, I thought you know, he's at, he, I thought he was at still at eighty uh, percent. I mean, he could be. I mean, okay. based on you know you know uh, that guy Tib. They call me Mister Tibbs. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, man, I, I just think there are better guys who belong. Before Edgar Martinez, I I, I don't think uh, I I'd be surprised if he's one of them. Okay, well we'll we'll see. It's uh, probably all going to be announced this week. How do you feel about yes. the Veterans Committee picking Trammell and Morris? But and I'm I'm saying their job their job wasn't to put three Tigers in at one time. How close is Whitaker if those guys are in? Well. Uh, First of all, I don't have a problem with uh, Morris and uh, Trammell getting in. I think they, they both deserve it. Right. Especially what uh, Morris did in the World Series. I think he's, he's, uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer, yeah. Oh, no question. And pitched the most innings in the 80s, got the most wins. But as far as uh, Lou Whitaker is concerned, wow. You know, I, he's in I the, have to say no because... He's in the Hall of Very Good, huh? Yeah, I, I think towards the end of his career... Um, you know, he started to go downhill. I'm, I'm not a fan of him going the Hall of Fame. I think for, from that 84 team, I, I think the right guys went in. Let me ask you a question. How did you, you don't have a vote, but if you did have a vote, where would you stand right now on Bonds and Clemens? I would uh, put them both in. Okay. Because, um, you know, I mean, they were Hall of Famers before they were alleged. Before it was alleged, mm-hmm. they used steroids. And you know, I, I just I just think Bonds is that good, man. He was the best of his era. So was Clemens in terms of pitching and, and offense. 
So, I mean, I would not have a problem putting him in. And it seems to me that, uh, based on what Mr. Tibbs says, that a lot of the uh, writers are not listening to Joe Morgan. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. And, Bill, I want to talk a little bit about what you do, the podcast that you do and the writing you do for them. But I did want to stick with this for a second. Um, mm-hmm. the, the owner of the uh, Chicago Cubs, is it Tom Ricketts? Yes. Tom Ricketts came out the other day and said, before the Cubs ever would invite Sammy Sosa to throw out a first ball or be at Cubs Fest or Festival, whatever it is, He says he feels that these steroid guys need to come clean. Uh, We don't need an apology, but we need to come clean on what they did and kind of when they did it uh, to to allow us to forgive them. Uh, I think that makes a great deal of sense. I agree uh, with uh, Mr. Ricketts. I think, uh, you know, and he owns a team, and that's his right. Yep. And, and the way Sammy Sosa went out, I mean, it was very good. And when he was accused, when he was alleged that he used steroids, I mean, he didn't, uh, he didn't help himself. I think he didn't help himself when he went to Congress and said he couldn't speak English. Yeah. I mean, that was not good. <laughs> so uh, I agree with Mr. Ricketts that he should apologize or say something, you know. I mean, I think Raphael Palmero should do the same thing. It's yeah. not just uh, Sosa. I have Raphael Palmero, too. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And uh, I don't think that will ever happen, though. Hey, speaking of Raphael Palmero on a totally different topic, I'm sure you're aware of what he's talking about trying to do right now. Is that yes. something that you would consider jumping on and trying to get in touch with him to talk about this comeback? Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, you know, but the thing is, though, how many people are taking that seriously? <laughs> it's especially in Major League Baseball. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the guy is, what, over 45 years old now? No, he's, I mean, 50, he's 50, 53. 53. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't see anyone giving him that chance. I, just, I don't, don't see it because... You know, as we, we got to admit, this is a young man's game now. Yeah. And I just don't see anyone, you I, know, giving Palmeiro a chance for some drink. I would see if, if he was really serious about this in his heart of hearts and thought he could do it, then he should risk the embarrassment of playing for a couple months at the independent league level and and show that he could hit 400 at the independent league level and then and stay healthy because that's, to me – whether he could have one good game or two good games, it's the continuity of playing every day where a 53-year-old is never going to be able to make it. Yeah, I just don't I don't see it, uh, Stan. I mean, right. I, mean I, I was shocked because, you know, when I first heard the news that he was trying to make a comeback, I called Craig and I said, Craig, is, is Raphael <laughs> nuts? Yeah. <laughs> because we know how Craig feels about Raphael and, you know, Craig, I'm not going to lie to you. Craig is in denial when it comes to Raphael. Oh, Pereira. there's no question about it. No question. And uh, and this is not a joke either. I'm serious. And so I, I just I just, just don't see him in the major leagues at all. Now, let's take a, a couple minutes and talk a little bit about what Bill Latson does for MLB.com. You've been a columnist for MLB.com, 
since when? 2000, did I read 2002? Well, well no, I, I've been a, a reporter since 2002, but I've been, uh, the last year, I've been a columnist and I uh, do a podcast called Newsmakers, and I help do that. It's not just me on Newsmakers. I have a, there's a bunch of guys doing it. So uh, it's been fun. It was a great year doing it, and I'm still doing it. And, uh, you know, I, you know, recently I spoke to Ryan Zimmerman, the Nods fan, people you, you, of course, are familiar with. Sure. And it's been fun. It's been fun. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. So how much of the time are you spending thinking of these ideas of what's going to go into your next podcast? Well, what's the after I'm done recording the podcast, I immediately have to think who is my guest for next week. I mean, I just can't wait the last minute. Like uh, we we record on Wednesdays, I, I can't wait until Tuesday or Wednesday morning to do it. I mean, I, right now, um, I'm thinking who the guests are going to be. I'm calling them, and that's really uh, you know that's really the fun part. I'm really busy. And, you know, the people who let me do this, my bosses, it's been fun. Uh, I I can't complain. Do they give you sort of total autonomy on who you talk to, or do they make suggestions and want you to confine it in a certain box? It's a combination of things, Dan. I mean, uh, most of the guests, I would say 99.9% are my suggestions, my guests. And then if they say, for example, Jim Cott uh, is going to be a, is going to do a podcast, can you do it? Right. I automatically say, no question, when. Yeah. Um, you know, like I did that with also Jack Morris. So it's it's been fun, and uh, you know, I, I it's an honor to interview those type of players. You just mentioned a guy in Jim Cott, who I just noticed at the age of seventy nine has been rehired. By his first major league team, I guess technically his first major league team was probably the Washington Senators. But, that's correct. But he was a longtime Minnesota Twin. Um, yes. But that's fascinating that the Twins feel, especially kind of a young analytics-based uh, management team, feels that Jim Cott has something to add to them. Yes, I mean, and why not? The guy, the guy won over uh, two hundred games. You know, he was one of the best pitchers ever. I mean, that's another guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I, I applaud it. I mean, why not? The guy knows how to pitch. The guy knows how to help youngsters. And, and you forgetting, too, Stan, he was once a pitching coach for the Reds. He was there for yeah. like one year, two years for Pete Rose and did a great job. Yeah. I mean, he loves to brag that uh, Tom Browning uh, was his – first and only 20-game winner. So he did a great job, man. I don't have a problem with it. You know, he's an interesting name when you say he should be in the Hall of Fame. If not only for his, what what he win, 220 major league games, something like that? But, yes. but if not only for what he was as a pitcher, for his long career in the game as both a coach and a broadcaster, uh, I think he's a, a no-brainer to have been selected into the vet by the Veterans Committee into the Hall of Fame. Oh, no question about it. And, and listen to this. I think he was a great announcer. Yeah, I mean, he, was. he was. He was a great he, analyst. He, he was, a, he, when he was with the Yankees during their uh, dynasty years, I mean, he, he didn't pull any punch, punches. He told the truth. And uh, 
he was fun to listen to. But he's, you know, right now he was, uh, as far as broadcasting, he does it once in a while, and uh, I think he's, he's enjoying life. Yeah, I think so, too. Speaking of the Yankees, I know that brings a big smile to your face. Um, let me ask you one question. Who's going to play second base for the Yankees on opening day, and will they add a depth piece to their starting rotation before they they hit training camp? Well, Stan, I think it depends because I don't think the Yankees are done as far as making you know deals. I mean, there's all these talk about them trading for a second baseman um, or even adding a third baseman as well. So I couldn't answer that until you know, until the, until we get close to spring training. Because right now, the Yankees are still trying to make moves, trying to get at a starting pitcher. And uh, we have to wait and see. Would would Glaber Torres be uh, in that short list of potential second basemen, or do they think that he needs some more time to come back from his injury? Well, no, no. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, he's going to be at spring training. But, uh, again, I mean, there are some who feel he may need some more seasoning when the season starts. So you just have to wait and see. I mean, the guy is talented, no question. Yeah. And, now, uh, you know, yet, and yes, he had t- Tommy John surgery, but, you know, let's see how he does. And he's going to be a big league camp, and, you know, he, he might really do well. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. Bill, that starting rotation probably starts with Tanaka and Severino at the top. Sonny Gray, CeCe Sabathia, and Jordan Montgomery. Do you yes. think that'll be the starting rotation at the beginning of the season? Well, uh, like I said earlier, um, it depends because, you know, they were trying to get Garrett Cole. So I, I, I don't know yet. We have to wait and see. But as of right now, yes, this is the way that that line was, I mean, excuse me, that rotation is going to look like. But um, again, you know, the Yankees don't, are not standing still and they're trying to get another pitcher. Now, one of the things that that's tied into it seems like them getting another pitcher or some other high-priced, fairly high-priced player, significant player, is tied into their ability to jettison a large part of the Jacoby Ellsbury contract. I think that contract is got $63 million more for three more years. Yes, three more years, yes. Do, and, you, th- do you think there's you know, any way possible that they get clear from not all $63 million, clearly? They'd have to pick up probably half of that. But do you think there's a way they could get free of that? I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. Uh, you know, when I keep hearing they're going to try to trade Jacoby Ellsbury, good luck with that. Yeah. But, you know, from what I, I hear, he wants to still stay there, although he's not going to play every day. We know that. But I'll tell you, though, um, if the Yankees can pull that off, <laughs> then I would say, man, that would be great. But but listen to this, though. You say half of the money? Yeah. I think the Yankees are going to have to do pay two-thirds. Two-thirds. Yeah, I would it. say, yeah, yeah two-thirds. No, yeah. no chance. It's going to be half. I don't see it. So help me through this. Gardner plays left on most days, correct? Uh, that's what they're saying Hicks, now. Hicks plays center most days. Are, are Judge and Stanton going to kind of split time in right field and the other will be the designated hitter? Well, everyone keeps saying that, uh, you know, Stanton's going to be the DH most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just, I don't know, man. That depends. Uh, I mean, again, you know, with the Yankees, uh, you know, I can't sit here and tell you this is going to happen because you've got to wait and see. Yeah. It's always been that way. That's been their history since the Steinberg family owned that team. You so, know, as, as we start the 2018 season, we've got some managers in positions that have never managed a major league game, and that's Aaron Boone in New York, Joey Cora in Boston. How do you think those guys will do? I know you did a podcast on, with Cora not too long ago. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. And, uh, you know, I, I think they would do well. I mean, you know, the, part of it is that they're into analytics. And don't forget Dave Martinez, too. He, yeah, he Dave, I forgot. I left him out. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, we, we have to wait and see. I think Dave Roberts, uh, I think he started the trend. Of hiring people that that can't, you know that haven't managed before, so I, I think they do well because they have the teams who are talented, and uh, you know again we got to wait and see. You know, uh, last week it, it it somehow went past me when Dave Martinez was hired, and last week we had Mark Zuckerman on uh, who, from Masson who covers the Nats, and the figure came out what he's making. He's making $600,000 for three years of managing the New York, the Washington Nationals? Plus, he has an option, yes. Uh, but, it, but it's a total, it's not 600000 a year. It's $600,000 for the three years. Well, you know, That's I too- guess I can understand it because he's never managed before. But Bill, you might, but Bill, you might make more money than that working for MLB.com. It, but, but you know what, though? That's still a lot of money for the average person. I, I understand. Person. What I'm saying is, can a guy making – I've never seen this story before in baseball. Can can he gain the respect of his clubhouse when he makes less than the utility infielder? Yeah, yeah I, I, yes. I think it depends on how he does during spring training and what he does yeah. during the season. Okay. So, I mean, I can't sit here and say he doesn't earn the respect. I mean, Matt Williams made a decent salary, and he didn't get any respect towards the end yeah. from, the, from the Ryan Zimmerman to the uh, Jason Wurtz of the world. So let's see how he handles the veterans. Yeah. Uh, and then we got to wait and see. All right, before we let you go, a couple things. This uh, free agency market, we know it's been glacier-like how it's moved. I'm just going to throw out five or six names. You tell me who you think they're going to end up with, okay? Mm-hmm. Jake, okay. Jake Arrieta. The Brewers. Uh, the, you Darvish. Hmm. Texas Rangers. All right. How about uh, Alex Cobb? Uh, hmm. The Yankees can't get who they want, the Yankees. All right. Lance Lynn. The Mets. Wow. Lance Lynn to the Mets. All right. That's an interesting mm-hmm. one. How about Jason Vargas? Rumored uh, early in the offseason that the Orioles could sign him for a one-year contract. Uh, hmm. Jason Vargas. I would say, I'm going to say the Brewers if they, if they can't get who they want. All right. Mike Moustakis. Why, well, yeah, he's still out there. Yeah. Um, 
There's 170 of them still out there. I'm not going to do 100, 170 yeah. names. I would, uh, you know, I would say, hmm, Kansas City. All right. How about uh, his his former teammate Lorenzo Kane? Hmm. I would say, wow, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> Kansas City. All right. And then what about Eric Hosmer? And I'm only going to do that's, one more. I'm only going to do one more. And they keep saying, uh, you know, San Diego Padres. But this guy wants to win. If he can't go anywhere else, Kansas City. So you think you're predicting Kansas City could sign all three of these guys. That's, a, that's fascinating. Yes. Um, yes. Question. Do they, if they sign the, their own player back at this late a date, do they still lose draft picks? No, they okay. do not. Okay. And then two more. I lied to you. Two more. Todd Frazier. Yankees? No, no. Because they, you know, they haven't made I think it's a matter of how many years and I think the Yankees want to give him one year. Yeah. He's coming off a bad year offensively. I would say um the Mets. Okay, that's who I think he's going to end up with. And lastly, is J.D. Martinez, is it a foregone conclusion he's going to end up a, a Red Sox? I would say so. I would say they'll get something done there. All right. Greg, I lied to you. One more. Greg Holland. Uh, that's a tough one because I thought he was going back to the Cubs. I mean, to me, to the Rockies. I'm going to save the Cubs. All right. Always a pleasure, Bill Latson, especially when Craig Heist isn't here. You got it. Anytime. Hey, Bill, I'm going to give you a call. Are you around in the next hour or so? I've got an idea for a guest for you. Okay, no problem. All right, I'll give you a shout. All right? You got it, man. Take care. All right, there you go. Bill Latson of MLB.com does a super job uh, with his podcast called Newsmakers. I want to... um, Before we go into break, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with the 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills in Westminster, Wings, beer, sports, available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Coming to the Owings Mills Metro Center soon, Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys, where they offer hand and foot grooming, barbering, and straight razor shaves, all in a relaxed man cave nirvana. You get your own TV and remote, top-of-the-line noise-canceling headphones, and a complimentary beverage, all while you kick back in a seat that has been custom-crafted with your comfort being the number one priority. Trust me when I say this is a -a one-of-a-kind experience that will have you feeling like a modern-day king. That's Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for guys coming soon to the Owings Mills Metro Center. Find out more by going to hammerandnailsgrooming.com. The Parkcell Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. 
If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Here's another reason to run by the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A today, the cow calendar. That's right, the 2018 Chick-fil-A cow calendar is now on sale for just $4. Like wristwatches and cash, you still need a wall calendar, and the 2018 Chick-fil-A cow calendar comes with a cow calendar card, good this year for monthly specials and treats. Steer yourself over to Nottingham Square's Chick-fil-A, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, and pick up your cow calendar for just $4 today. Full Circle Tire and Auto would like to thank the Harford County Sheriff's Department and the Baltimore County and Baltimore City Police Departments. Any active or retired employee can receive 8.75% off up to $100 on any service. We are proud to serve you. Thank you for serving us. The deal lasts through January 31st, and that's Full Circle Tire and Auto at 410-676-CARS. That's 410-676-2277 at 1304 Governor's Court, Suite 110 in Abingdon, Maryland. Full FullCircleTireAndAuto.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Right now is your best time to upgrade into a new Chevrolet or Mitsubishi during Jerry's Trade-In Trade-Up event. Jerry's is offering up to 130% Kelly Blue Book value for your trade. Take advantage of Jerry's lowest prices on all the new 2018 Chevy and Mitsubishi models, including Malibus, Equinox, and Colorado trucks. Plus, they come with Jerry's extended service care, featuring four years of free maintenance. Visit Jerry's Chevrolet on Joppa Road or online at jerryschevrolet.com. Great music. Great food and a great cause. For an even better time, just add water. Water from the Chesapeake Bay at Sandy Point State Park. My name is Michael Hape and I am an athlete with Special Mix Maryland. Your support helps me achieve my dreams of being a greater part of my community through sports. Choose to plunge at the Maryland State Police Hobart Plunge on January 27th. Go to plungemd.com to sign up today. Proudly sponsored by New Day USA, St. John Properties, Aerotech, and Kelly Generators. And we are back with a final word or two or three here on the bat around for this Saturday morning. Reminder, Ken Zalas and Sarita Hubbard tomorrow, 10 to 12 with the Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Kyle Ottenheimer also sits in with them. And then Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark uh, with the Glenn Clark Show, GRC. Kyle Ottenheimer does a super job producing that show. Uh, I am showing you the copy of the current press box that just came out yesterday. It's our first ever best in Baltimore sports issue. Um, our sports person of the year, Coach John Tillman down at the University of Maryland for breaking that 42-year um, jinx where they hadn't won a national championship. He's our sports person of the year, and 53 other categories were selected 
uh, the best of Baltimore sports. Hope you'll pick up a copy. If you can't get out and find one at over 500 locations around town, including 60 Royal Farms, you can just go to PressBoxOnline.com and see the entire issue. Um, how'd you do, first show, Brittany Everett? It was good. I think it went well. What do you yeah, think, Stan? I thought you did a super job for the first week. Thank you. Thank you. We got some. I'm going to look for you. Bonza never did this, but I'm going to look for you to help me with some social media stuff on the show. All right? Got to teach the oldie how to teach be you a Teach the old dog new tricks, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Listen, thank you for coming in. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back uh, next Saturday morning. I think Craig Heist will be here. I know we won't have Rich Dubroff because Oriole Fan Fest will be going on all next Saturday down at the Baltimore Convention Center. Make your plans to stop there now. Don't forget, inside Press Box tomorrow morning, Gary Stein and I had Rich Dubroff, Jim Schmutz from Special. He's the president and CEO of Special Olympics of Maryland, talking about the polar bear plunge coming up next Saturday. And we also had on... It was our third guest, Matt Slatus, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds and a new proud papa. That does it for this week's show. Have a great sports weekend ahead, everybody.